Alex Marlowe, Editor-in-Chief of Breitbart News, and this is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. On today's show, we begin with an explanation of why Donald Trump pled the fifth in a civil case in New York City that has nothing to do with the raid on his Mar-a-Lago home. Or does it have everything to do with it? The DOJ and the FBI are now fighting amongst themselves over the inevitable fallout from the unprecedented warrant execution at the former president's home. Who gets the blame if things don't pan out the way the Trump haters want? Well, they think each other. The IRS is making some hires that are armed and dangerous. And no, we're not kidding. We explain. And Joe Biden claims that there's no inflation. He's dead wrong, of course, and he is now on vacation. Terrific. We have a woke update for you and much more in the opening of the show before we speak to Joel Pollack, senior editor-at-large for Breitbart News and host of the Breitbart News Sunday program on Sirius XM Patriot 125 every Sunday evening. And he gives us all the details on the Trump raid, the ongoing witch hunt in New York, and where this all could go from here. Uh, Joel is a guy who has a Harvard Law education, is a pro writer and a really terrific communicator, and he helps answer, I think, some of the most important questions that so many of us have had this week. Let's get into it. With the most shocking, the most unbelievable news of all time, that Donald Trump took the fifth after the FBI had raided his house in Mar-a-Lago in a parallel New York criminal investigation because what better use of time for U.S. resources, your taxpayer dollars, anyone who's trying to clean up crime in the United States and look into Donald Trump. You know why? Because he's committed the greatest crime of all. Can we all say it together? The crime of being Donald Trump. Um, this is something that is a civil case. So it's not a criminal case that he was being deposed in. Civil investigation probing allegations that he overvalued his real estate assets. Oh, whoa, whoa. Hold the phone, please. What does that expression mean? Hold the phone. We use a lot of outdated expressions. Um, I had a headline, a lead headline this week. Here comes First Aggression at Breitbart News where I said uh, I put out on a limb. That's an expression that I can guarantee you a good quarter of my audience doesn't even know what that means. But I put that in the lead headline and I was thinking I had to go with it um, just to, for our artistic expression. Sometimes my headlines on the front page, there's an artistic element to it. And I didn't want to interrupt, but it is that uh, I was going with my own flow. Um but I don't, know what, I don't know what hold the phone means, but you guys get my point is uh, who cares. And at this point, considering all the criminality that's going on with our elite ruling class, and we're going to look backwards at Trump overvaluing his real estate assets, which is just it's just so arbitrary. Anyway, with real estate assets, they're also uh, over or undervalued depending on uh, speculation until you put them on the market. You don't really know how much they're worth, and they only need to be worth X to one individual for it to actually be X. So it's the... And it, it, if you look at some of his properties, I mean, I was looking at his um, Trump golf website, um, and it is just that he, some of the properties he owns are some of the most spectacular pieces of land on this planet. Um, but this is what is the Attorney General Letitia James of New York is doing, 
because, hey, there's nothing else going on in New York. might be worth her time. This is good. And so he pled the fifth, and he provided an explanation. Was this via a truth bomb? I think it was a truth bomb where he put this. This is what he... Uh, this is his the, what I refer to when he puts out a note on Truth Social, um, but he said if you're uh, the, the 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 trick is in 2016 um, when Hillary Clinton aides pled the fifth in a investigation. He said if you're innocent, why are you taking the Fifth Amendment? Now I know the answer to that question. When your family, your company, and all the people in your orbit have become the targets of an unfounded, politically motivated witch hunt supported by lawyers, prosecutors, and the fake news media, you have no choice. Um, and that is the, the the that is where the discussion was. But the main point here is this is a civil investigation, so his incentives are to make sure it is absolutely impossible for him to say anything stupid that could be used in any of the criminal investigations that are against his business that are happening also. So that's why he did it, and thus it should not give any of you too much alarm. It was just another fun day to be a left-winger on Twitter, but again, there's they don't have a lot of those these days, but they've had a few this week. And that's the main thing that's going on. Uh, Joel Pollock has written this up for us at Breitbart News. If you want to get a little more detailed explanation, he's a Harvard Law Educated, also hosts the Breitbart News Sunday show, which you should listen to every weekend on this station. So the in the raid that took place this week, which as of now, we have no explanation for it. Um, and I'm getting people checking in with me pretty constantly. Do we know why the raid happened? Do we know why the raid happened? And we still don't know. We still don't know. The feds won't tell us thus far why the raid took place. And the raid, of course, because it looks unjustified, gives Trump all the more reason not to cooperate with any of these Democrats anymore. So that's that. And um, we shall go from here and see what happens. But Trump calling it a witch hunt, saying he is uh, calling it a witch hunt, I think definitely is a fair characterization at this point. And it has been for a long time. It just seems like that's what they're doing fishing for something, something that they could possibly use. The quote, uh, you show me the man, I'll show you the crime, seems to be applying here. Um, one thing that is very positive, and we are hearing from Trump world, we're not hearing anything about why the raid took place, I think reasonably, for reasonable reasons, but we are hearing that they're shattering fundraising records, and I'm sure some of you in the audience fundraised. They were out with fundraisers almost right away after the raid, and they continued to do so. And thus, if they don't have something, as I've said, purple jumpsuit worthy on, or I'm sorry, purple jumpsuit, orange jumpsuit worthy. What's a purple jumpsuit? It's got to be something related to something my kids like. Orange jumpsuit worthy, then he is going to really benefit from this. It could be one of the greatest political misfires of all time, if that is the case. Congressman Ted Budd has put out an amendment that would restrict billions of dollars in IRS funding to border security. And I note this because we have the efforts of our government, which are, uh, when they're not investigating Donald Trump, it all seems to be all about confiscating more of your money. And this is the game right now. The game right now is you try to confiscate as much money as as they can from you. $87,000. I'm sorry, 87,000 new IRS agents set to be appointed. 
we were told that these agents are going to only be for wealthy people. Um, and if this is the case, then we're just becoming more and more of a socialist Marxist type of country. Um, let's play, this is Jared Bernstein, the White House Council of Economic Advisors. Play cut two, please. So look, I think that this reporting has been pretty convoluted. Uh, here, I want to quote something from the commissioner of the, uh, of the IRS, uh, uh, Commissioner Reddick. Uh, these resources, he's talking about the reason, what you're referring to as resources in the Inflation Reduction Act to reverse what I call a shadow tax cut, which is the long-term defunding of the IRS to facilitate tax evasion by wealthy evaders. Here's what Commissioner Reddick said. These IRA resources are absolutely not about increasing audit scrutiny on small businesses or middle-income Americans. As we have been planning, and he's the commissioner, so he knows what they're planning, our investment of these enforcement resources is designed around Treasury's directive that audit rates will not rise relative to recent years for households making under $400,000. In other words, IRA resources will not add to audits for households under 400000 and those same households will not see one penny increase in their taxes based on proposals in the uh, Inflation Reduction Act. So let's just make sure the record's clear on that point. Okay, so this is one of these, the record's clear, we got it, but let's make sure that we understand actually what he's saying. He's saying, first of all, that we're getting 87,000 new agents. Now, is it really 87,000 agents or is it 87,000 including administrators? We don't know for sure because all the reports are it's all agents. Maybe it's not. Maybe some of them are administrators. Um, but if they're only targeting people who make $400,000 in the country, uh, that is about 1.8% of the country. So I did the math. The rough math is one new agent for every three dozen of those individuals. So regardless of if they've ever had any sort of tax issue in the past, regardless of uh, what they do or who they are or where they come from or what their backgrounds are, what their history is, uh, there's going to be a new agent for every three dozen of those individuals who make over 400000 a year. So uh, what does that mean? From my vantage point, there's only two explanations for this. Uh, the first one is that he's just uh, he's just lying because that provision is not in the bill. It was actually blocked. Someone tried to put in a provision that it could only target the top people in the country, I forget who it was, and uh, that did not make it into the final text of the bill. So he could be just, just stone cold lying to you uh, that maybe the intention is for the IRS to do that, but the IRS is not going to do that at all. Uh, but the second thing that is, I think, uh, noteworthy is that what if he's telling the truth? What if they basically just come up with a task force of 85, 87,000, whatever it is, um, agents? to take the top 1.8% of people in the country in terms of earners and be able to shake them down, literally shake them down for more money, to grab them by the proverbial ankles and shake them until all of the pennies fall out of their pockets. Uh, that to me is the definition of socialism and Marxism. And granted, are there gonna be people in that group who did use clever means from lawyers and accountants, et cetera, to not pay as much as the government wants them to pay? Yes, of course. Of course, they're going to find that. And the more concentration, the wealthier people, the more chances they're going to get people to either settle by paying a bunch of money or uh, find more money for uh, piles of cash places. Yeah, I think so. I think that's a reasonable strategy. But just know they continue in this country, the left does, to disincentivize people to become successful. 
Um, I have found the more money I've made in my career uh, that it, it always comes with a headache. And it makes it a lot, it really does diminish incentives. It really does diminish incentives. Uh, I, I will tell you this personally, you know, Mrs. Dr. Marlowe is on a road where she's been training for essentially her whole life, but you know, she's in her mid thirties now and uh, we're closing in on where she'll actually receive a normal paycheck. Uh, the process of becoming a doctor, if you want to continue to get uh, certifications is in, in, incredibly arduous and long. And I think it'll be about 15 years in total um, for her, for her journey, starting from after undergraduate to get all the credentials necessary until she's kind of fully formed, fully educated, fully trained, and will be making a great, a great salary. So, and I'm starting to do some math here on what that will do for the family finances. And I just see all of these places where uncle Sam is going to put his hand in our pocket. Um, he's going to get all those student loans back which, you know, we don't have to pay as much while she's training, pay very little. Uh, there'll be, you know, we'll go up a couple of tax brackets, we'll get a bunch of money that way. Uh, maybe we'll get a better house, get more money that way. And then eventually we could end up in that group that pays, you know, 50, 60% in taxes. It, it makes you sick. It makes you sick. It makes you not want to do it. It makes you not want to try to get to the top of the country. And we used to have a place and again, global capitalism has uh, so many faults, and we talk about those quite often on the show. But if we keep behaving like this, we're disincentivizing people to try to become uh, super successful. And I thought the country liked the idea of people becoming super successful. I thought that was something you uh, admired when you saw someone who really made it, who stayed focused and dedicated and put the work in all day, every day for decades, that uh, you you wouldn't treat them like they're all tax cheats, which is exactly what the Biden administration is doing. So this to me is a total lose-lose. Either they're lying to us and they intend to take most of you out there in this audience who are gonna be either middle or working class, they're gonna take most of you guys and they're gonna go take more of your money, which is not great, or they're gonna take people who are in the upper class and they're going to target them specifically because they made it. I don't like either of those. I don't think you guys do either. And we've been getting a ton of calls on this thing how they're, they have all of these agents who are trained and at the ready and ready to confiscate your money via gunpoint. Uh, just stunning stuff that AWR Hawkins is reporting for us at Breitbart News, but a job listing for the position of IRS criminal investigation special agent stresses that applicants must carry a firearm and be willing to use deadly force. Can you believe it? This is from the job description. As a special agent, you will combine your accounting skills with law enforcement skills. You think it's fiction. To investigate financial crimes, special agents are duly sworn to law enforcement officers who are trained to follow the money, no matter what the source. All income earned, both legal and illegal, has the potential of becoming involved in crimes which fall within the investigative jurisdiction of the IRS criminal investigation. Because of the expertise required to conduct these complex financial investigations, IRS special agents are considered the premier financial investigators for the federal government. Ooh, that's sexy. I want to be in the premier financial inve investigators for the federal government. That sounds powerful. There are, uh, it, it, they're open about it. They confiscate more of your money, more of what you earned in this allegedly free country that allegedly is capitalist uh, with lots of firearm training and the willingness to use deadly force. 
it's just disturbing stuff. And just add this to the list of priorities Republicans need to have to figure this stuff out when they get in there, hopefully this year, and then hopefully take the White House thereafter. Um, but this is why Congressman Budd announced the amendment to restrict the billions in funding to, to, to just move it, just move it to border security. So this is what uh, uh, people are doing. This is what the government is trying to do to you. They're trying to find the law-abiding and try to squeeze more out of you. That is their focus at this time. And so they're investigating Trump, trying to squeeze more money. That's the plan. So the other thing that's happening here in the wake of the FBI raid is that now the media, part two of their narrative, is when all of you are jacked up, all of you are fired up. And you're ready to get to the polls. You're ready to volunteer. Uh, and you are ready to hold up a picket sign, maybe more than you were before, ready to knock on a door for a candidate, maybe you, maybe more than before. Maybe some of you are getting a little spooked and uh, might be running down to the ammunition store if you can get your hands on some and you have a state that still has the Second Amendment where you live. Just in case, not that you have any intention to do anything, but you got to be prepared when, you know, there's we got a Second Amendment for a reason. And thus, the media is framing it as though Trump supporters are using violent rhetoric. And one of their top examples, the one I saw the most often was comedian Steven Crowder, who was using a picture of Andrew Breitbart with hashtag war in one of Andrew Breitbart's uh, signature expressions. That was it. Crowder put up a Breitbart meme. Woo. You guys are shaking in your boots, lefties? It's basically a signal for all of us to, you know, take up our arms and uh, get some pitchforks and torches. It's absurd. And of course, this was how things were going to go. Of course, you're going to try to find one thing, cherry pick it, even though it really isn't violent at all, and act like we're the bad guys here. They're watching a president that we supported, many of us voted for him twice, got, you know, a total of 160 million votes or whatever it was. And is shattering fundraising records currently, and you can't stop investigating him. You can't stop treating him like he is literally Hitler. And it makes a lot of us concerned that we're moving into the direction of when we're living in a banana republic. We're not living in a free country anymore. And the brazenness of some of the celebration online is unbelievable. Stephen Colbert saying, we all got the present we, we wanted and that it was Christmas when Trump got raided. This guy hosts The Late Show, a show that was not always politically left-wing. It was not always about being a show where you test drive left-wing narratives to see what takes on Twitter and what the Democrats can use to inspire them to go after more normal Americans who uh, don't hate this country. Eric Swalwell saying the Republicans are trying to win elections with violence. He said this on MSNBC. So I think he said, I think it's very clear Republicans have recognized that they can no longer win elections with votes. So they're leaning in hard to try to win elections with violence. They're fomenting that violence right now with the threats they're making against the attorney general, with the online chatter you are continuing to see, and with the failure to condemn it on their own side. Uh, just, what does he mean failure to condemn it? I condemn violence all the time. I condemn violence on the show. I did it yesterday. I condemn it all the time. He doesn't listen to any of our shows. He doesn't read any of our content. He's just a pundit who likes getting attention on Twitter. 
to Eric Swalwell is a joke, but he's also not a joke. He's a member of the U.S. Congress, and he goes on a major network, NBC, that is owned by a major international conglomerate, Comcast Universal. And he says this stuff, and he's congratulated. He'll be back on tonight. He'll be back on tomorrow. He'll be back on the next day. And he gets promoted for saying stuff like this, for accusing half of the country of basically wanting a civil war of some kind. That's the implication. And ironically, or maybe not so ironically, that probably does bring the country closer in that direction. I will say one thing that's very interesting is the regime seems to be turning on itself to some degree because this is playing so badly politically that a if this is to be believed, a DOJ leaker is told Newsweek that all the blame goes on Christopher Ray, the FBI, for this thing. Maybe they're calculating that there's going to be so much blowback trying to save Merrick Garland. Um, and Garland, who I've said is not a super bright guy, I would not be surprised if he didn't totally get what was going on here or didn't think it through. Um, maybe wasn't even aware of it. Because recall that Garland beforehand was a judge and probably managed a you know, an office significantly smaller than, you know, uh, many of you manage. And then all of a sudden he starts running the Justice Department, which is one of the biggest, most sprawling, most important bureaucracies there is. It's just obviously he was never equipped to do that job. He's done a terrible job. He's been one of the worst cabinet secretaries, period, in terms of effectiveness and uh, clarity of message and being able to, I think, execute on his responsibilities. Um, but it, they're trying to pass the, the blame, pass the buck entirely to Chris Ray. So the is, um, uh, is the, it, it just interesting to, to hear this because Ray's been silent. This is kind of the first time we've heard from the DOJ, but the, the we've seen no leaks from the FBI, um, about anything that was recover that's damaging to Trump. And it's hard to see the FBI's defense in this at all, but the DOJ is already trying to kind of put it on on the FBI, at least with this one whistleblower. So I'm interested to see if this narrative takes hold. But the DOJ source claimed that Ray was the one who ultimately gave the final go-ahead, though it, it was reported that Garland was briefed on the investigation into Trump, and he knew about the grand jury and what federal prosecutors were seeking, according to the source. But the source said that Garland had no prior knowledge of the date and time of the specific raid, nor was he asked to approve it, which is interesting. So this could be a sign that the left is not necessarily happy with this move, and some of them want to at least make sure that their hands are uh, their, 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 their hands are clean on this one. So let's see if the FBI responds. Let's see if they do their own finger-pointing and just the politicization of the FBI continues to be one of the stories of the past half decade. Uh, I, I have not seen a bureaucracy of all the bureaucracies that we have, and none of them have a good reputation anymore. The FBI's reputation has eroded the most since the Comey years. Uh, I think of any of our bureaucracies. I think that's pretty clear at this point. So we don't know anything about Trump's legal strategy at this point. We don't know much about what the FBI's got, but now we're starting to get the first of the major players to weigh in, which is the DOJ using the shaggy defense. It wasn't me. You guys know what I'm talking about. It's the shaggy defense. All right. Um, let's see. Other things that are worth noting today. 
Uh, Christopher Ray is the victim here of a bunch of threats. Uh, no one should be threatening him. I, I get that, but it is noteworthy that he is called a deplorable and dangerous. He used the word deplorable. That was interesting that there were threats against the agency after this. There's threats against everyone online, but uh, none of them are good. I wrote a whole series uh, called The Summer of Rage about the literal violence that's taking place against pro-life individuals uh, since the Dobbs decision. And I am working on part six over the weekend. We'll probably get that probably for Monday, I would guess, maybe Sunday. And um, this is, those of you who checked that out, some of the, uh, some of, I think, some of my most original, some of my most important original reporting I've done. And I looked at all of the various attacks that take place, some of the key players, who's funding them, and what they were doing previously, and some of the collective efforts of the institutional left to create an environment where they felt like it was appropriate to target Supreme Court justices, to target uh, crisis pregnancy centers, and to target churches and synagogues simply because they don't think you should have the unlimited right to scramble a baby's brain and vacuum it out whenever you want all the time. And that was uh, enough for people like Merrick Garland to turn a blind eye what they were doing, even though what they were doing was blatantly illegal. And for our news media to mostly ignore them, even though what they were doing was actually literally violent, not violent rhetoric, not memes, but actual violence. And much of it was promoted on Twitter, for example. And they found creative ways to not uh, violate Twitter's policies, even though they clearly were violating them. And Twitter, of course, won't respond to questions for comment about it. So that's what was going on all summer. But now Christopher Ray is saying it's deplorable if the FBI gets threatened. And it kind of is. But I, don't, I think he chose deplorable specifically as a word to show that he's going to war with Trump world, figuratively speaking, which he is. Most Americans say the FBI raid on Trump motivates them to vote in the midterms. Who didn't know that? Who didn't know that? I'd say the other biggest story right now is the debate, the spin on inflation. I'll show you what Big Joey the Biden says about inflation. Cut one, please, Mr. Zach. Before I begin today, I want to say a word about the news that came out today relative to the economy. Actually, I just want to say a number. Zero. Today, we received news that our economy had 0% inflation in the month of July. Well, it's not 0% inflation. It's zero additional inflation to what we've been having. And it's mostly due to the fact that the prices on things that you like to buy go are going up aside from gas is dropping. Um, and gas is dropping from historic highs. And we were told that those highs were because of who? Putin. It's a Putin price hike. So do we have Putin to thank? This is my poll for the day. Should we be thanking Putin for the incredible drop in gas prices that we've been seeing? And it's only the, the, the gas prices are pulling it down and only gas prices. That's it. Uh, inflation falling back overall. Great. We all like it. Um, but we have the consumer price index is up 8.5% from a year earlier. That is the facts. That is the traditional way we look at inflation, 8.5%. We had 8.5% in March and everyone was freaking out. And now we have 8.5%, um, I guess, what is the latest month? I guess it's July. Yeah, 8.5% in July. So what are we supposed to do? High five about it? In March, it was a panic when it was 85 But then it went to higher than that. 
to 9.1%. And then now it's cool to 8.5%. So we should nonstop high-fiving. Everyone's going to have torn rotator cuffs from all the high-fiving. What is this? Does he think we're stupid? He does, doesn't he? Or just does he not know any better? He's just been a politician for so long that he's just never, never had to be truthful. And the only reason that we're at this number and not a much higher number is because the insanely high record gas prices have started to drop. And why are the gas prices dropping? A lot of the reasons that the gas prices are dropping is because people have adjusted their lives and made their lives somewhat worse because they know how expensive gas is, which is reduced demand. I cite my personal example of um, my, my children's Danny who commutes, you know, 40, 45 minutes every day uh, and her husband who commutes 40, 45 minutes to a similar area of town, but they're about 10, 15 minutes apart. They now carpool. So they cut down their, you know, total of three hours in the car combined. Um, now they make it a total of two hours in the car combined. So that's how they do it. And so they're sp- saving a third in gas every day. And that's going to, people like that are going to drive down demand because their gas bill is actually going to be somewhat lower that way than it was. So that's a lot of people are making these calculations. A lot of people are not taking those road trips. Um, because they know that they're going to be getting they're going to be getting slammed by at the pump every time. So it just it's almost not worth responding to. It's so absurd, but you have to because it is put out there and it's put out there by the president. Um, but is uh, the, the gas prices have fallen because oil prices are down and demand for gasoline has uh, fallen at least according to data. Gas prices are demand is down sharply compared to last year according to the EPA. That's the whole explanation, it seems like. I'm trying to figure out some more. John Carney is, of course, on this for us at Breitbart News for more detail. Um, but many on Wall Street convinced that oil prices will head back up if risks of recession around the globe decline, Carney wrote for us in our newsletter, economic newsletter, Breitbart Business Digest, all of you should check out. And a lot of this has to do with factors that have zero to do with Biden. This could be a temporary respite. So we'll be keeping a close eye on it and we'll be keeping a close eye on uh, big Joe Biden's spin. But he's declared victory and now he has moved on to a beach vacation. His last vacation, I think, was two and a half weeks ago. I'm someone who loves when the president goes on vacation. Uh, I think it's great because when you got a president like Biden, he, he just causes more problems when he's not on vacation. So food and rent are still rising, but he's putting on his aviators. And he's licking an ice cream cone, saying, zero inflation, Jack. I saw a video, viral video, of someone who's now living in their car in New York because of the housing crisis. Great. All right. Um, second largest U.S. aluminum mill has idled due to untenable energy prices and to lay off 600 American workers. But zero inflation, Jack. Second largest mill in the United States, untenable electricity and energy prices, Century Aluminum Company executives announced that they would stop their plant in Hawksville, Kentucky. And they're going to pause it for at least 9 to 12 months because price of energy are just too high. And they're going to lay off 600 workers in the process. Another one where, you know, this is a story that led Breitbart.com yesterday during the day. It just will not get a mention on the establishment media, which still frustrates me so much. People have a right to know this stuff is happening. And you can say zero inflation, Jack, all you want. And this just does not, does not change this reality. 
uh, one of the from their explanation. While the decision was difficult, it was necessary given relatively high energy consumption of the Hawksville smelting technology and lack of value added cast houses, which made the financial economics of continuing to run the smelter untenable at these energy prices. There's a lot of businesses that run on very small margins. Most businesses run on, you know, single digit margins once they're established and but percentage wise, and you just can't have key components of your business skyrocket and you can keep the business alive. Duh. But maybe if we turn over more of the control of our economy to the World Economic Forum, maybe they'll have solutions for us. One of the creepiest and oddest people on planet Earth is Klaus Schwab's right-hand guy. He's the guy who runs the World Economic Forum, a guy named Yuval Noah Harari, who is an author that's been embraced by Hollywood and is a futurist. And he said that we just don't need the vast majority of the population. Saying that it's redundant. That's what, this is what the elite think of people like you guys. We just don't need the vast majority of the population. And he says, well, the future doesn't need me. So he tries to make it. Oh, he's actually being humble about it. The future is about, about developing more and more sophisticated technology like artificial intelligence and bioengineering. Most people don't contribute anything to that except perhaps for their data and whatever people are still doing, which is useful. These technologies incre increasingly will make redundant and will make, it will make it possible to replace the people. He's literally advocating that AI replaces human beings. And what is the point of this planet? What is the point of our life? These people are so godless, it's unbelievable. It is a welcoming that AI will replace human beings. I kind of like people. I don't like robots as much as people. There's a lot of people I don't like. Yuval Noah Harari, for example. But it's going to have bioengineering. You're only data, folks. That's all you are to these people. At the World Economic Forum in Davos. And how many elites, even on the Republican side, are still interested in what those people have to say and will go over there, would love to go over there, go over to Davos. I've got so many more cool headlines to get to with you guys, but I've gone on for so long. Let me do our woke update. And oh, no, I'll warn you about polio. Polio is bad. Nearly one million children are going to have to get polio uh, jabs in the UK. There's a child that's apparently been paralyzed in New York City. Keep an eye out for this. Mass vaccinations in uh, in London due to the polio outbreak there, which is here. Scary stuff. We're supposed to be prepared for this stuff as in the West, and yet we're not somehow. Okay, we'll do our woke update, then we'll go to the phones. Uh, a private girls' school in uh, middle and high school in Tennessee is now admitting boys who identify as girls. A prestigious, formerly all-girls school. Uh, uh, which is uh, called I think Harpeth Hall. I'm not familiar with it, but I'm sure some of you are who are in the area. In the wealthy Bell Mead suburb of Nashville, costs $32,000 a year for the middle school and thirty three for the high school, all-girls school, but due to their gender diversity philosophy, that's the way they phrase it, uh, they're going to uplift the female voices of the school by admitting males. That's what they intend to do. Will that make school better? Or will that make it really awkward and distracting for the girls to learn?
and will continue to encourage this insane trans moment that we're in. How much time is being wasted on this fad that we're in? HBO Max is prepping a secretly gay Green Lantern series. So they had their woke Batgirl movie that just got chopped, and then now they're making the Green Lantern character a secret homosexual. Closeted homosexual, I guess. Wow, sounds important. You know, here's the thing. Maybe it's good, but they make it about the wokeness. Like Maybe there's a way to do this in a way that's actually interesting. But is it none of us are going to go there mentally. We all go there thinking they're just trying to get attention for what will probably be a crappy product um, by trying to prove that they're woke and trying to get a small audience of woke people to get behind it. Uh, this is also why the streaming wars are a little bit disturbing is there just seem to be very limited financial incentives because a lot of you will continue to pay for HBO Max because you like one show on it or two shows on it and or you like something that they offer. And thus, you will be supporting this. You will be bankrolling the secretly gay Green Lantern because you like succession or something. And that's the burden we're all going to have. And that's why, like, for example, if you young kids and you don't have a zero TV policy, it's almost impossible to avoid Disney Plus because they've got all the Pixar stuff and all the classic Disney stuff. And they got Star Wars and the Marvel. And it's just really hard to avoid it unless you're so deeply committed to not a penny goes to Disney. I mean, which is a lot of people are, but it is very tough to do. And that's the problem is that you have to bankroll the new gay Buzz Lightyear, which no one even likes anyway, uh, because you want to watch Alice in Wonderland. It doesn't make any sense. And yet it does make perfect sense for these businesses. So they're outsmarting us. Joel Pollock, one of my colleagues at Breitbart News, has one of the clearest minds and clearest voices when it comes to getting through some of the most complicated topics that we tackle on the broadcast. He is uh, part of my little cadre of people I turn to when something's comp complex and I really want to understand it at a deeper level to convey it to the audience. Joel's our guest today on the show and he breaks down exactly what you need to know about Trump's choice to plead the fifth in this case in New York City and the broader implications of that. Plus, we get into some other stuff as well. His explanations are pretty great. Let's hear it. What do you think of what's going on in New York? And I know that there's multiple investigations and um, trials that Trump has to face. The, the one where he pled the fifth yesterday, this is a civil case. So explain what's going on in that case. Uh, is it all about overvaluing real estate? Do we fully understand what he's being accused of or being investigated for? And what do you think of his strategy to plead the fifth despite his prior proclamations that um, only the guilty do that? Well, good morning, Alex. And I think your caller's questions or challenges were very interesting because he basically summarized the CNN, MSNBC view of what's happening to Trump. Number one, they wouldn't raid his house unless they had a really good reason. Number two, he's a hypocrite because he's pleading the fifth. And number three, he must have done something wrong somewhere. Let's start with number three, because I think that's where your question is. And he used the word trials. Trump is not on trial anywhere. Trump has a business, and 
that business has a chief financial officer, and they were indicted last year in a criminal case in New York. The criminal case is is tax fraud, which sounds pretty bad. We don't want to cheat on our taxes, except when you look at the charges, what they're saying is that Trump paid his employees fringe benefits that weren't reflected in the tax statements, things like frequent flyer miles, things like little perks of, of working for Trump. You know, maybe it was getting to stay at a Trump hotel or something like that. I don't know. But I would have asked your caller, does he fly for work and does he report the frequent flyer miles to the IRS? Because if he doesn't report the frequent flyer miles that he gets when he flies for work, he's doing what the Trump organization is accused of doing in New York. It's a very, very minor infraction. It's probably committed by every large company in the United States. And they're just doing it to harass Trump and to try to get him on something. That indictment is a year old, and the trial hasn't even really begun. And they're still doing depositions, et cetera, motions. So that's the criminal trial. Trump, as you pointed out, was supposed to give a deposition, which is an early phase of a litigation. It's not a trial, but he was supposed to testify under oath as they're hearing the evidence prior to going to trial in this civil case. The civil case is one in which the state of New York says that Trump overvalued his real estate holdings when he was applying for a loan, and he reported lower values when he was declaring his assets and paying taxes to the IRS. Now, if Trump is going to be punished for overvaluing the value of his real estate assets when applying for a loan, again, you'd have to prosecute or sue almost anybody in the United States who applies for a home equity loan or a loan based on your business, some kind of loan with property as collateral because that's how you get a larger loan. Sometimes that's how you qualify for a loan. And most people don't exaggerate the value of of their homes, for example, when applying for a home equity loan, but they sure hope that the assessor or the person who evaluates the value of the property comes in at a high number, even if they know maybe I couldn't get that value if I put my home up for sale today. People want as high a number as possible so they can get a larger loan. That's not illegal unless he's actually committing egregious fraud. It's not, it's not really so unusual. Maybe they'll get him on a technicality. Maybe you know Trump Tower is only worth $30 billion and it should have been listed as that instead of 50 or 60 whatever he said. I mean, I, I don't know the facts exactly, and they don't either. That's why they want to have a deposition. Now, Trump has sat for many, many, many depositions. He has sat for depositions recently. He has sat for depositions his entire career. I've actually talked to people who know people who've put Trump on the stand in various cases over little real estate disputes and things like that. He is known to be a very solid witness. He often drops the showmanship. He drops the spin when he's on the witness stand. He's very careful. For a guy who's not a lawyer, he seems to know exactly where the lines are, and he doesn't go over them. So it's not as if Trump hasn't testified many times before. This week is different. Number one, because his home was raided on Monday. If your home is raided on a Monday and you're supposed to testify on the Wednesday, you know that you're under criminal investigation 
for whatever happened on Monday and that there's no guarantee that some prosecutor on Wednesday isn't going to ask you something that has to do with something on Monday. He doesn't even know necessarily what the government has that they're going after on Monday. As you point out, you know, maybe they've got something that will turn out to be very important and will turn out to be the basis of a criminal charge. So he can't say something yet because he could risk his criminal liability in whatever they raided him for on Monday. So he's got to be careful. Remember, we don't have the documents. They supposedly have seen the warrant, but they haven't seen the affidavit. The affidavit is what the government presented to the court to get the warrant. They haven't even seen the evidence. So why would he go on the witness stand to talk about anything when he's under criminal investigation and he hasn't seen the evidence in that investigation yet? So it's it's that's just normal. I mean, no, nobody... It's, it's like, you know, if you get arrested, you don't want to speak to the police before you've had a chance to talk to your lawyer because you don't even know what this is about. You don't know what they might be looking for. So he's in a situation this week where it would be extremely dangerous for him to talk to anybody because he doesn't even know what, what they're after. Secondly, these two investigations in New York, the criminal and the civil, they are parallel investigations. They're different cases. But Trump doesn't want to say something in the civil deposition that could then be used as evidence in the criminal de- in the criminal case where they might try to trip him up on some fact or a date that he didn't remember properly. Or, or maybe he will be asked about the value of his real estate and he'll say the wrong number. So as Jonathan Turley said on Fox News, that's just standard procedure. If you're under both criminal and civil investigation, you're not going to talk freely in the civil investigation where the worst thing that happens to you is you pay a fine while there's a criminal investigation going on where you or your business or someone you're close to, like your chief financial officer, might go to prison. So this is just normal. And Trump's a little bit on the hook because he did say in the past that people who plead the fifth are guilty. But your caller, who seems to have his talking points ready, so he's obviously watching MSNBC or he's getting them from the web. Maybe he was watching his phone while driving. I mean, who knows? But um, your caller is coached up on something that didn't happen last September. What, what he's talking about is something that probably happened in September 2015 or 2016 when Hillary Clinton was under investigation for mishandling classified email. In that case, the evidence was so clear that Clinton had done something wrong. The person who took the fifth was the guy who handled her server, the tech guy. This was a private server she set up in her home while she was Secretary of State. There was no reason to do that. You know, even people who use private email accounts to conduct government business, which they shouldn't do, they don't have their own server. She had her own server in the bathroom of her house in New York. And the reason we believe she had that was because she was trying to use her position as Secretary of State to pull in donations for the Clinton Foundation. And there was plenty of circumstantial evidence of that. And the public wanted to see the emails that she was getting because they wanted to know if she was approaching foreign governments or foreign donors for money during visits overseas or while transacting diplomacy with people from from abroad. So there was a legitimate reason to want to know more. She and her team destroyed the evidence. They destroyed thousands of emails. They destroyed the cell phones. They had already taken steps to make sure that we didn't know any of this stuff. And 
So they went to the tech guy who set up the server, and wisely, he took the fifth because he didn't want to go down for Hillary Clinton, right? How many people have had their careers destroyed? How many people have been jailed for contempt of court because of the Clintons? And he didn't want that to happen to him. So Trump was right in the sense that this Fifth Amendment plea during the Hillary Clinton investigation was part of a cover-up. But in a sense, he, he is hoist by his own petard here a little bit because he should have had more sympathy for the tech guy who took the fifth. I mean, the tech guy was basically a bit player in this whole thing. But Trump admitted in his statement this week, he, he basically admitted or he implied that he had been wrong in the past. He hadn't understood the full reason why people plead the fifth. Sometimes they plead the fifth, he said, because the entire government is coming after you. And he's 100 percent right. And that's why Trump supporters are furious, because there is no credibility anymore in the DOJ and the FBI. And I think a lot of Trump supporters feel that it doesn't matter if he did something, even if he did something wrong, which prompted the raid of his home. The raid on a former president's home is so egregious, so shocking that it almost doesn't matter if he actually did something. This has gone too far you don't do this. You didn't do it to Obama. You didn't do it to Hillary Clinton. You didn't do it to Joe and Hunter Biden. You didn't do it to Richard Nixon even. I mean, this has never happened to a president before. So the left, the one word they keep falling back on because they can't prove anything, the word they keep falling back on is unprecedented, unprecedented. This is unprecedented. Yeah, it's unprecedented, not because Trump did something wrong, but because the government is way over the line. And I could understand if people thought that unprecedented implied some kind of guilt. If this was the first time Trump had been targeted by law enforcement, we might say, wow, this is really unprecedented. It must be bad for Trump. But because we had an unprecedented conspiracy theory about Russia collusion and an unprecedented special counsel that went nowhere and an unprecedented first impeachment and an unprecedented second impeachment and an unprecedented January 6th show trial, and an unprecedented prosecution of junior aides, an unprecedented spying on Carter Page. I mean, how many unprecedented can there be? And all the unprecedented have had exactly the same features. Number one, Trump is innocent of what they're chasing him for. And number two, the FBI and the DOJ break the rules to try to get Trump. There's a lawyer at the DOJ who actually falsified an email to get a warrant from a judge to go after Trump aide Carter Page. So when the caller says they must have had a really ironclad good reason, they've never had an ironclad good reason, and they've not been above committing fraud to try to get a judge to approve a warrant. So I'm not saying that happened in this case. We don't know for sure. But that's why nobody in Trump world believes any of this matters. And a lot of people, not just Trump supporters, but a lot of people on the Republican side and even a few Democrats are both confused and outraged over what's happening. And it's been more than 48 hours and no explanation has been provided by the Department of Justice, Merrick Garland, Christopher Ray. So we're all sitting here in the dark and it's, it's really at this point unacceptable. It's inexcusable. And I think if he had any integrity, Christopher Ray would resign. I think Merrick Garland should resign. And we need to know how far up this goes inside the White House. Did Biden or did anybody in the White House know this was going to happen? Because it's hard to imagine you wouldn't give the president a heads up if this was going to happen. You know, what's really interesting, Joel, is that the 
there's clearly unless they have something that's that's really solid here or at least they something that is in the ballpark of solid or gives them reason to believe there's something solid then this is all stuff that needs to be deeply investigated when the republicans get the congress assuming that they do which we can't really assume that at this point but if they do uh, next year and it's interesting if there'll be impeachment proceedings brought and uh, i'm curious if if the precedent the Democrats set after January the 6th, impeaching Trump, even though he was on his way out of office and doing it anyway, I wonder if that's going to come back to haunt some of these guys, because if they're just doing this and it turns out they can't prove that it's not political um, and they are deeply investigated, even if they resign and move on with their lives, they're still going to be the subject of deep scrutiny from people who I think correctly uh, want to make examples out of Merrick Garland and Christopher Ray, And this is uh, going to, we're going to enter a new unprecedented age, but not unprecedented necessarily in a good way. And that's what MSNBC and CNN aren't getting here. The unprecedented nature of this doesn't make it more legitimate. In a lot of ways, it, it makes it less legitimate, especially in the eyes of the tens of millions of Trump voters. So, uh, Joel, help me understand something here, that we've got a group of people who are investigating the president of the United States. They're uh, raiding his house. They're not explaining to the public why they're doing it or what they have, and they're just leaving it all for us to speculate. At the same time, they're trying to create tens of thousands of new IRS agents to investigate Americans and try to make sure that, you know, we spend every, uh, uh, make sure the government gets every penny that they can out of us, including whichever percentage of our flyer miles we accumulated during business. Uh, It just seems very disturbing that we're starting to behave like this. Is this reminiscent of the America of our past, or is it closer to some sort of a third world country, maybe a communist country, maybe a country with more, more authoritarian? Just seems like we're getting away from some of the basics here. Yeah, this is third world stuff. And I've written about how when I was working in South Africa 20 years ago, I saw South Africa do this, where different political factions took over parts of the investigative and law enforcement and intelligence apparatus of the state. And they started launching investigations of each other. And they always had good reasons that they would cite for launching the investigations. You know, they go after Trump because they're defending our democracy from foreign interference in elections. I mean, that's important. Everybody would agree. And now they want to preserve presidential records. And, you know, there's always some good public purpose that you can point to. And that's how this happens. But when you start using the investigative powers of the state and the surveillance powers of the intelligence apparatus and so forth against political rivals, it undermines public confidence in law enforcement. It undermines the rule of law. And it also undermines the connection that citizens have with each other. You're basically taking a sledgehammer to what people have in common. When the government that we set up, remember, we're always told by the Democrats that government is just the things we do in common, the things we do together. Well, law enforcement is also something we set up together. We need to have law enforcement. But when it's seen as helping one group of people against another, not just against criminals, but against other people in society, other law-abiding citizens and so forth, then there's a collapse. And when we look at the crime around America and the crime wave that we see. That's partly because of defund the police and and a variety of other things. But it's also because there's lawlessness at the top, and it's not coming from Trump. 
for all the claims of corruption and whatever that the Democrats hope to find with Trump, they never did because Trump is not corrupt. He doesn't break the law. But you've got the corrupt Bidens in office. Every criminal who's busted for drugs today in America can say, why haven't they arrested the president's son? And you've got lawlessness from DOJ lawyers like Kevin Kleinsmith, who got a slap on the wrist for committing fraud to get a warrant to spy on Carter Page. You've got Peter Strzok all over CNN yesterday opining on a case and using that same word, unprecedented, unprecedented, when he was the guy who set up the quote-unquote insurance policy to get Trump in the unlikely event that he won the 2016 election. You see people in these positions of power abusing their power. How do the people in those positions justify it to themselves? They justify it by just convincing themselves, I suppose, that they really are defending democracy. Some of them don't care. Some of them think, you know, you have to break some eggs to make an omelet. So we'll, we'll commit a few crimes, but the, the greater good is served by doing it. But others may really believe that they're defending democracy. When I've spoken to people who are in some of these high positions, just because they have access to more information doesn't mean they're not just as easily hoodwinked and brainwashed by the mainstream media. They often believe things that are false because they live in the same media bubble as everyone else on the left, and they watch CNN and MSNBC. And I think what happened in this raid on Trump's house was that whoever authorized it, including up to Garland himself, they're living inside the D.C. bubble. They're in that media bubble that thinks the January 6th hearings are really bad for Trump. They think that they're really producing real evidence here, whereas the rest of the country is looking at this and thinking, wait, all you've done is show that there's no evidence linking Trump to violence, no evidence linking Trump to insurrection. And you had a one-sided process where you eliminated the opposition. Nobody was going to stop you. You broke all the rules. You could do whatever you want, and you still got no evidence. That's how the rest of the country looks at it. But in D.C., with CNN every day, new headlines, bombshell in January 6th hearing and so forth, a lot of these people who should know better live in that same media bubble, and it colors their perception of what's happening in front of them. So even though they have all of the investigative tools you would need to find the truth, their perceptions are also colored by the media. I think that's what happened. They launched this raid thinking that the public would be okay with it, not realizing just how appalling it is and how shocked people are. And so when you have the CNN and MSNBC people saying unprecedented, unprecedented, listen to the tone in their voices. They're afraid. They're not afraid that this will happen to them one day when Republicans take power. They're just afraid that this has backfired spectacularly in a political sense. For about a week or two, they've been telling us Joe Biden's on a roll. Joe Biden's doing well now on inflation, and he got the terrorists from al-Qaeda, and blah, blah, blah. Joe Biden's turning it around. They've been talking about what a great two weeks he's had. Now you have Republican voters who are suddenly engaged who are going to swamp the polls, who are going to crawl naked over broken glass to vote because there's just a sense in the rest of America that this is not acceptable, this has gone far enough, and the only way to stop it from happening is to vote these people out and replace them and get rid of the miscreants in the Department of Justice and the FBI, maybe even build these departments up again, tear them down and build them up again because they're so corrupt that getting rid of a few apples like Peter Strzok and Andrew McCabe hasn't solved the problem, hasn't sent the message. Christopher Ray wrote a couple of memos to people telling them not to do what they did when they were going after Trump. That's not good enough. So we need to see where this goes, as you say, and it's too early to say what they have at DOJ. You know, maybe some facts will come out. 
But at this stage, because of the way they've done this, I don't think it'll matter anymore. I think people are going to go to the polls simply because there's a sense that our government is out of control. It's not just about saving Trump and whatever. And, and most people probably don't think this will happen to them, even though now we know it could. I think people just feel like the government is out of control. It's out of their control. It's out of our control. And people want to take it back. Today's broadcast, thanks to producers Zach and Greg Eben. Robert Marlowe helps us pick topics, and we will talk to you next time. I got-